Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. So, um, if you've got your um, bulletin, you got your Bible app open, you got your uh, Uversion app open, we're going to go ahead and keep tracking along. This is our fourth week in this series we've just called Roller Coaster. And I tell you what, I've received a lot of good feedback um, from a lot of you guys who that this series has just really resonated with you, that you've just really gone, you know what, I, this is what I'm in the middle of right now. And the truth is, is most of our lives, we're either on an up and we're going, woo-hoo-hoo, or we're on a down, or we're sitting in the queue with butterflies in our stomach wondering what's going to happen next. And that's just kind of the story of the, of the way life goes. And so we're, this is part four of the, that we're going to be tracking along for the next, uh, for a total of 10 weeks. And uh, we keep coming back to this concept that joy in life isn't about embracing the ups and avoiding the downs. But, <clears throat> but it is in knowing that no matter what life throws at us, that God, <laughs> God loves us and he's going to carry us forward. That's what this is about. So many times we think, you know what, if we get life just going on a good trajectory, I could have some joy in life. But every time I start having a little bit of joy, start having a little bit of peace, man, the rug gets yanked out from under me. Whoop, there it goes. And when we think that it's all about those other things, then it's, man, it's a hit and miss. And it, it's, that's not the life that God has called us to live. His presence alone. Folks, it's, an, it's enough. It really is. Let's look again at Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. The inflow of the joy and the peace, it comes as we trust in God. As we step out and begin to believe that he's with us, he's for us, his word is true. More than what our emotions say, more than what our rational thought says, more than all of those other things. God is with us and he is right. And we begin to build our life trusting him. Saying that he is faithful. And as we begin to do that, our lives begin to then be filled with joy and peace as we trust in him and it's not just there it's so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that hope just begins to just come out of us Have you ever been around somebody that they're just so full of hope but just somehow it kind of got on you too that all of a sudden that there are people in your life that you just love being around them because all of a sudden the day just got a little bit better your perspective changed a little bit and we're not going to talk about those people that we get around them and all of a sudden it's like the clouds pulled in. And, and all of a sudden everything got a little gloomier. There are those as well, but there are those who overflow. It's like there's something happening on the inside of them and it kind of starts splashing off and you just kind of want to get close to them. Get a little bit of that on you. That's what God has called us to be. How amazing would it be? How culturally transformational would it be? If every Christ follower had this experience flowing in their life, that every Christ follower had this flowing in their life, that what, that as we were trusting Him, that we were overflowing with hope, 
that it just didn't matter if it was an up, a down, a sideways, a twist ways, that, that we just had this place. Not where we had our head in the sand and ignored that we had problems or challenges or any of that, but we had our faith solidly on who was above our challenges, our problems, our difficulties. And that it was something we were going to get through. It wasn't something we were going to lose to. See, so many times we don't, we don't want to be on the roller coaster. God has called us to be in the middle of it. And as we deal with the ups and the downs and all of those different things, that's where then the extraordinary beauty and power and the grace of God is shown. See, so many times there's, there's this place in us that I think we would rather watch an extraordinary life than live an extraordinary life. I think we would rather have the safety of the spectator seat and be able to watch, be in awe. We love to be able to <clears throat> click the remote and watch something exciting, watch something amazing take place, watch something <clears throat> mind-blowing take place, instead of sometimes putting some of that stuff aside and say, all right, God, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to step into the great adventure that you have. And when this is all said and done, when we get through this series, what I, my hope as a pastor is that you get to a place that you recognize that as you trust in God, you really will be filled with hope and peace as you follow him. But that it begins to put aside all of the fears and all the stuff that keep you from stepping into the fullness of the life that God has for you. God has so much more for you if we will just take his hand and move forward and know that he is for us. See, I love this roller coaster thing because there's just so many great stories. And one of, my, one of my favorite roller coaster stories in the Clark household was, happened years and years ago. Uh, Lulu, my 15-year-old daughter, uh, was six years old. And um, all her siblings obviously had gone ahead. You know, Keenan, you know, the Keenan the man, Brookers, courageous girl, don't back down from anything. Weston, you know, he, he, he's always up for a challenge. They'd all gone ahead. And we were in Georgia at Six Flags there in Georgia. And there was this, this roller coaster called the Mind Bender. And the Mind Bender was in 1978 was the first triple loop roller coaster. Nowadays, that's like a, oh, yeah, whatever. But back in 78, it, was, it was, must have been the thing. I was five, so I don't know, but um, it must have been awesome. And so, uh, but the, it was just this huge thing to do and ride the, the triple loop roller coaster. I remember going to Six Flags over Texas and looking at the shock wave and going, nope. And I was the kid that sat there and watched an extraordinary life be lived as my two younger sisters got on with my parents and rode the shock wave. And I sat there as my dad tried to shame me into it. I can't believe you. Your little baby sisters are riding this. I don't care. I ain't riding it. That's scary. I ain't riding that. And so uh, thankfully once I wrote it, it that, that broke it. I was like, I'm up for anything now. But Lulu had the opportunity at six years old to do something that's, that the record still holds still holds in the Clark family, that at six years old, she was the first 
the youngest kid to ride a double loop roller coaster, a loop of any kind. So Keenan wouldn't do it when he was six. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it when he was 10. <laughs> he wouldn't, he would sit there. The older ones wouldn't. So Lulu wanted to do this. As the fourth child, it's kind of hard to be the first at anything. You know, somebody's already set the record ahead of you, you know. So she found an opportunity that as the fourth child that she's going to be able to grab a hold of this. And, and odds are the only person that might do it is Pressy. Colin, she's, she's have to do it next, have to do it this year. And there's no way Colin's getting on a roller coaster this year. She don't like it. But Pressy might do it. Pressy might beat it. And, um, but we're getting in line, and we're sitting there, and we're going to ride this roller coaster. And Lulu is sitting there with me. Cutie always gets nervous for the kids, and so they went somewhere else, and we're riding, uh, sitting there. And this was, the, this was built in 78, and they hadn't updated it. This, is, this goes upside down three times, but doesn't have the little shoulder things they do now. Has, still has the little lap bar, not the little cinch it down tight. This has the little bar that just comes over. But when it's all said and done, the bar is not supposed to do it. What's supposed to hold you when everything else says you're going to fall flat on your head is another force called centrifugal, yes, right? Or is it tripetal? Tripetal, thank you. Centripetal force. Got the, the, the physics master over there to help me on that. But there's another force at play that actually fights you falling. Everything says I ought to be falling out of this. The whole experience ought to be, you look at it and say, if I get into that position, I'm going to get hurt. But there's another force at play that allows you to be there and to not be in any danger whatsoever. So Lulu locks up. She sits beside me, holds my hand. We do the click, 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 click. Go up to the top, have the little lose the tummy drop over Hit the loop, hit the loop, hit the loop. It's over. Lulu loved it. She's like, that was wonderful. I said, you want to ride it again? No. <laughs> she got the record. She was out. I'm done. <laughs> Take that, kids. It was over. But what? She was in a position where it should have been just total mayhem. She should not be able to be upside down like that with just nothing holding you on. But there was another force at work. We're about to look at a place in Joseph's life where we would say that, man, how can anything good be at work here? But there's a truth that we have to get down deep in us. Is that when God is with you, you can face anything. When God's with you, you can face anything. Anything, anything. One of my great pleasures as a pastor is I get to be with people in some of their greatest moments and some of their ugliest moments. And folks, I'm telling you, there are just some things that with human reasoning, you're like, if I had to face that, I, I would just lose it. I, there's just no way I could face it. And that's because we can't deal with it. There are things that are just unthinkable. But there's also a place in that that when the grace of God comes in, all of a sudden, there's this stuff that comes in. And you're like, I never, how? How is this happening? How, am I, how is this person at peace? How is this person being able to cope? How is this person being able to have joy? How is this person being able to do this in the middle of it? And it is the grace of God for that moment. 
that when God is with you, you can face anything. Remember last week we finished up at the part where Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. This is your first time with us. We're looking at the story of Joseph from the last <coughs> uh, 14 chapters of Genesis. Joseph was favored by his father. Joseph was a, was a guy who would just do the right thing. His, his older brothers were just kind of goof-offs. And he ends up being the one who's responsible. And so and he got the job because he would do it. He was the one. If one of the older ones would have been responsible, they'd have got the job. But he got the job because he was responsible. And his responsibility made his brothers hate him because he was honest. He'd tell dad, yeah, they were goofing off again. Yeah, they weren't where they were supposed to be again. And they hated him. And his brothers hated him. And his dad favored him. And his dad went above and beyond and favored him and, and made him this beautiful coat. And, and everybody knew that Jacob loved Joseph more. And so it just made the brothers mad. And they just couldn't take it. And then Joseph has some dreams that God's at work in all of this. And that makes him even more angry and Joseph goes to check up on them again, and we saw that last week, and they decide they're going to intervene, and, and they're going to say, well, here, well, let's, let's see what happens to this guy's dreams now, and they were first going to kill him, and a couple of the brothers kind of intervened, and they came up with another solution, and we're going to sell him. Might as well make, some, make a little pocket money out of this thing, and they sold him into slavery, and now we catch up with Joseph, and he has been sold as a slave. He is now an owned person. So look at Genesis 39 2. Said the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Let's stop right there. If we were just to say that and let you imagine what's going to come next. The Lord was with Joseph and so he prospered. And now I turn the pen over to you and you're going to write the rest of the story. You're going to begin pinning out what the rest of this goes. And I'm just giving you the starting point of this narrative. The Lord was with Joseph and so he prospered. More than likely we would come up with and so that he had this many cattle and his house looked like this. And all of these different things about how beautiful and perfect Joseph's life was. And but we see here that it says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And now we're going to get into the rest of this. It says, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He's owned. He is a slave. His brothers sold him. He has owned property. We can't even wrap our minds around that. Around having no free will of our own, not being able to, to go and make our own decisions and go where we want to go and do what we want to do, but yet in this place that seems like the other end of the spectrum from being prosperous, that how in the world can someone be a slave and prosper? That doesn't even make sense. This doesn't even jive. But we'll look. Verse 3 says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So Joseph gets promoted. Joseph is a slave. He could have said, right, I ain't working for this guy. I'm a slave. He could have, but Joseph was still Joseph. 
So whether he was a slave, whether he was favored in his dad's house, no matter what, he was given a job to do, and Joseph just did it well. He just couldn't turn it off. He wouldn't turn it off. He wouldn't say, okay, well, forget this. This isn't for me. I'm not the one getting the benefit of this. I'm not the one making the, the extra off of this. I'm not the one who's, who's going to, to get the reward out of this, so I, I'm just gonna, I'll just make sure I don't get smacked. I'm going to do just enough so that I don't get beat as a slave at the end of the day. No, Joseph was like, nope, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it right, and he did. And then he finds himself getting promoted a better job as a slave. So now he's not sitting there and having to deal with all the outside stuff. Now he's Potiphar's attendant. So now he's walking around and he's with Potiphar. And he hears Potiphar doing business and, and taking care of stuff. And, and Joseph is being helpful in the middle of all of this. To the point that Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted, and he entrusted his, to his care everything he owned. So now here's a guy who's a slave, who is under this, owned by this really wealthy, powerful man in a powerful country, and now he's in charge of everything this powerful, wealthy man owns. So he's still a slave, but somehow all of a sudden the tables begin to turn, and it's like he has Potiphar's house. It's like he has Potiphar's food. It's like he has Potiphar's everything. And he just turns it over to him. Why in the world would Potiphar do that? Why? Because Joseph did a better job with Potiphar's stuff than Potiphar did. Joseph was more faithful to Potiphar being a success than Potiphar was to Potiphar being a success. And he was a successful man. Joseph was more attentive. And so Potiphar saw that if he would just back out and give Joseph some room to be Joseph, then this thing was going to be really good for Potiphar. Everything was going to go well. So now in the middle of this, of Joseph being owned, he's owned, that he just keeps going and he finds himself working his way up and he was entrusted with everything in his care. It says, from that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Now, I tell you what. We can learn a whole lot right there. Of how in the world are we going to handle ourselves when somebody else has an advantage over us. Whether it's a boss whether it's a co-worker, whether it's a family member, can we genuinely work and desire their success? Can we genuinely desire that they be blessed, that we go to God and want them blessed just for their sake? Imagine what, what kind of transformation of our lives that would look like. It is amazing that he was able to do that. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in his field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. 
with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Potiphar would get up in the morning, go in there, make him a smoothie. Everything all right, Joseph? All right, I'm going to have my smoothie. Kick back. Understand. Oh, sit there, watch some Netflix, kick back, chill, take a morning nap, get up, think, hmm, I want a sandwich. Go over there, look out the window, everything's fine, oiled machine, makes him a sandwich. Things are going pretty good. Things are all right. Guess what? Comes about later in the day, picks up his little cell phone. Calls his favorite restaurant. I need a reservation. Yep. I've had a hard day. I made a sandwich. I'm not cooking tonight. That was Potiphar's life. And everything was just flowing around him because of this guy who wasn't getting anything out of the deal. There wasn't any pre-arrangement that if he did this, then I'll give you a promotion. You do this. He was just... Joseph, God had hardwired him to be faithful. God had hardwired him for administration. God had hardwired him to take care of business. And Joseph did it no matter what position he found himself in. Now the last of that verse says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And we'll talk about that next week. That created some problems. When he was... Well-built and handsome. (laughs) Let's look at Matthew 28. This is Jesus' last words to us. If Joseph could embrace the presence of God in a foreign land, Potiphar I'm telling you, Egypt had tons of idols, tons of other gods, tons of stuff. I guarantee you there was all sorts of idol worship and stuff in Potiphar's house. There was all sorts of debaucherous, messed up stuff. A wealthy man given to, able to do whatever he wants, I guarantee you there was some messed up stuff at Potiphar's house. It's just the truth. We know human nature. And Joseph just kept being Joseph and had his relationship with God and had his connection in a, in a land that didn't give a rip about the one true God, in a household that didn't give about the rip about the one true God. As an owned man, he connected and knew that God was with him and honored that relationship. So let's, let's understand that. If it, can, if it can make a difference in that messed up, ugly of a space, let's take that mindset and let's look at what Jesus says to us. Matthew 28, 18, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What gives us the courage to step out and embrace the assignment God has given us? What he has stamped on our lives. It's that same thing. He is with us. He's with us. The reason that Joseph was able to prosper in a messed up situation. No one would have blamed Joseph 
for throwing in the towel. He's a slave. No one would have blamed him, but Joseph embraced God, understood that God was with him and would not quit being the man God created him to be and saw the entire situation turn around. See, trusting God when life is down sets the foundation to trust God when life is up. See, that's the reason we say it, that we lay down a foundation. We lay down a foundation. When we trust God when life's down, it helps us. It gives us the place to trust God and walk with him when things begin to turn around. Philippians 4, 11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says, I understand it. Now we get into one of the most popular scriptures around. Okay, guys, I get it. I don't blame you. You go into the gym and you want to have Philippians 4.13. I get that. This is not a gym scripture. <laughs> it's not. I get it. You can take some inspiration from it. But it's not a, I can curl more now because God is here. I can bench press more. No, let's look at what this is. Let's back up to verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. There are some difficulties in life, some temptations in life when you don't have enough. There can be some places when it's hard to trust God when your wallet doesn't fit what you're, the needs you're looking at, when your known income doesn't line up with your known outgo. There's some, there's some difficulties. There's some pain. There's some, some things. There's some temptations. But then on the other end of the situation, there's some, there's some temptations and there's some difficulties to have plenty and some people are like, I'd like to try those temptations. I'd like to try those difficulties. Throw the millions at me. I think I can do better. I'm telling you, it's a whole different set of circumstances. It's a whole different set of things. To when now you're having to trust God, not because you're desperate to put some food in your belly. But now you're having to trust God because you just choose to trust God. That you could write a check and do whatever you wanted. But now you're just honoring God because it's, it's just about you and God. It's not about anything else. It's just about you and God. There are difficulties and temptations on both ends of the spectrum and the same thing in between. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is this scripture about? What is Philippians 4.13 about? It means no matter what situation I wake up, wake up in, I can do this, be a Christ follower, because he's going to strengthen me. I can do all things. No matter what situation I wake up in today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Did everything fall apart last night? It doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Did I just have the biggest win of my life? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It doesn't matter. Did, did my spouse just tell me they're done, they're walking out? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No matter what position in life I find myself, if Joseph wakes up in the morning, if dad favors me and my brothers hate me, I can do all things through the Lord who strengthens me. If I get sold into slavery, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is what this is about. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. All of life can be lived to the glory of God. All of it can be lived to His glory. See, God empowers us in every situation to live from a place of loving Him and loving others. See, that was what the difference was with Joseph. Is Joseph loved God and wanted to honor God, and he loved the people that were in his life. He cared about their good. We're going to see later on that even in, a, even in a darker place than he's in now, he cared about the people's good. And because he responded from a place of loving God and loving others, nothing could get in the way. There's no such thing, not even being in such a dark place as slavery. Now, we're about to read a passage of Scripture that throughout... The last uh, 150 years has been a controversial passage of Scripture because it can be read in such a way as to validate an evil institution in the world. But that's not what this is, passage of Scripture is saying, and we'll read some more that, that, that takes us on the full journey. But as we read this, though, you have to understand what it is speaking to you and to I today. This is what it's speaking to us. It's speaking that same thing that no matter where we find ourselves, we can't go, well, you know what? Well, if I just had a, a, a little better job, man, I could really live for God. If the people in my household were a little more God-focused, man, we, I could really do good. If this over here was a little different, man, I could really be a Christ follower. But right now, I just, I just don't even know how to live for God from where I'm at. I just don't even know how to live from God from where I am. It just doesn't fit. Colossians 3, 22 says, slaves. Paul writes to people who have chosen to place their faith in Christ and are owned by other people. He's speaking to them. You're not left out. To the people who that point in time would say you're on the lowest end of human life. In a culture that said it was okay to own a person. How vile is that? He said, you follow in there. You find yourself as a Christ follower there. First off, this was not a religion for the elite. This was not a religion for the people in power and people who were ahead of the curve in life. This was, a, this was the truth that, that who Christ was and what he did applied to everyone. Guess, guess what, if this was about buying your way into heaven, guess what, the slaves are done. They don't have anything. They can't buy squat. 
This is about giving ourselves. And he says, slaves. Oh. Why does Paul have to write it like this? Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. To those with a Hebrew background, he could have simply said, slaves, be Joseph. Be Joseph. You can serve God where you are. It's not that you're stuck. If, if, I, some, if my master would just give me my freedom, if somebody would just purchase my freedom and then I could live for God. No, you can live for God now. It's not a someday. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. Every place, even though this, some other person person owns you give yourself to serving christ in such a way that christ shines through even in that ugly nasty miry pit of slavery that the christ in you shines so big first corinthians 7 says were you a slave when you were called don't let it trouble you although if you can gain your freedom do so Paul's not saying some people were just born to be owned. He is not what he is saying. He is not validating the institution of slavery. He is validating the value of the person no matter where they are when they come to Christ. That is what he's validating. That is what he's saying. He said somebody that is not so low that you don't have a place in the kingdom. For the one who was a slave when called to faith is the Lord <clears throat> and is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't know what your situation is this morning. I don't know what you walked in with, mind, thoughts, family life, work life. I don't know. But I can tell you this. God is for you. He's for you. And because of that, there's nothing that can be against you. There's nothing. I understand there are some situations that are more difficult than others. But through Christ, you can do all things who, who him who strengthens you. You can. And God changes things. Joseph wasn't a slave forever. Joseph wasn't in that position forever. But what positioned things to change for him was the fact that he clung to God and he didn't change even when his circumstances did. See, bottom line today is up or down, God is always with you, and that's enough. When Lulu got on the mind bender, her daddy didn't walk her to the top of this st sticker on the little cart and said, hope to see you on the other side. Daddy got in, and daddy buckled up. And daddy held her hand. And when it was all said and done, she had more faith that daddy was right than that the roller coaster was safe or the, the scientific principles behind it. She learned later what she lived out earlier. Daddy was with her. Daddy was with her. And that was enough. 
that was enough. This life of faith, we, we can discover this for the rest of our lives and study it and theologians have. But it's enough for you to know that daddy's with you and he's for you. And in him you can do all things. See, joy in life is found in trusting God through the twists and the turns. God's called you to live an amazing, extraordinary life. <gasps> oh. Mm. oh, And I'm excited for so many of you begin to embrace the fullness of what that looks like. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.